I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Hi again, I'm Joe Connolly with a guest who will tell you ways to negotiate better and more confidently. He is Rich Cohen, who's written for The New Yorker, Vanity Fair, and Rolling Stone, The Wall Street Journal. He co-created a series for HBO. But he also grew up in Brooklyn as the son of the man who has been called the world's greatest negotiator, Herb Cohen, who advised presidents, corporations, arms negotiators, and even advised President Carter on the release of American hostages from Iran. He also settled a Major League Baseball strike one time. Hi, Rich. Hi. Good to talk to you. What are a couple of the negotiating insights that your dad was famous for do you think are more applicable than ever for business owners today? Well, I think his lessons are timeless. And they're not just about business, but they're also just about getting along with everybody. So. There are many, but I would say he sort of popularized the term win-win negotiation, which is his philosophy in a nutshell, which is both sides have to feel like they gave a little and got a little for a deal to last. The other thing he said, which is kind of like I always thought of a Brooklyn Zen Buddhism, is the key to success in life is to care, but not that much. And his whole thing is approach business and life as if it were a game and you will have more fun and do better. And when I was a kid, I'd go to him with a problem of my own. He'd always say, it's just a walnut in the batter of life, just a blip on the radar screen of eternity. So his thing is always be willing to walk away. Do not get overly invested and do not care too much. And for this reason, perhaps his most important lesson, never negotiate for yourself because you care too much. You have to have somebody who doesn't care. And this is why you always do so badly when negotiating with your own family. Interesting. How do you brief somebody, though, to negotiate better than you would negotiate for yourself? Because you know everything about your situation. They don't know your company or whatever. Well, I think he thinks it's very important, one, to gather as much information as you can. And now because of the internet and everything, it's a lot easier. Everybody kind of has their own, everybody's like their own intelligence agent. So gather as much as you can and then try as an exercise to see the problem or the deal, how it looks through the eyes of your opponent. Because another thing he said is to understand the price, you have to understand the player. You have to figure out how the world looks to that other person, what they care about, 
and then use that as leverage because what you care about might not be what they care about. Right. And it's easier said than done, but your dad told me one time that negotiating for anything is basically the same as negotiating about what you'll have for dinner or what movie you will go to. It right. sounds easy, but it's yeah. not. Well, he really followed his advice and that he uh, approached negotiation like it was a game and it was a sport. And when I was a kid, he was working on the strategic arms reduction talks. And he'd like come back from Geneva, Switzerland after sitting at a table across from the Russians. And what did he want to do? He wanted to go to Sears to negotiate for a refrigerator or to take me to negotiate for a used car because it was just fun for him. And this started from when he was a kid in Brooklyn, dealing with all the other kids in Bensonhurst and learning how to sort of be the guy who could bring people together and make a deal. And, you know, there's the key insight, I think, right there. You really drove it home right there with that story about coming back from Geneva and going to Sears. Right. Uh, the dynamics are similar. Here's producer Neil A. Caruso with some questions. Okay. Yeah, thanks, Joe. And hey, Rich, thanks for joining us today. Um, you know, a lot of people say in negotiations, whether it's for job interviews or whatever it may be, you can talk too much in an interview. Can you run yourself out of a negotiation? Yes. And in fact, another key thing he said is in a negotiation, often dumb is better than smart and inarticulate is better than articulate. And he spoke about talking to people who hammer you over the head with their authority and their information. And he said, the best way to deal with those people is you can disarm them by saying, huh, I don't get it. I don't understand. Explain. Help me. And he always said the three most important words in a negotiation were who, huh, and why. And so, yes, I would think that one thing is, you know, sometimes you get in a situation where the best thing to do is to not talk. And that creates kind of an awkward silence. And into that other awkward silence, people will fill it in with things they shouldn't tell you. And you'll get a lot of, I find that out as an interviewer too, because that's what I do, which is sometimes you just sit there and shut up and let people tell their story because they will. Yeah. The old uh, journalism school of thought is just ask why and, uh, yeah. and let them explain themselves. So I guess it's similar then. Can you give an example of, of a negotiation either you've been involved in or seen where you just say, what? Well, I'll tell you a funny story where this is this is a, an interview from my experience, because you mentioned Larry King, who my father grew up with in Brooklyn. And Larry, when I was a little kid, because I became very interested in being an interviewer because of Larry, said basically he thought he should be doing 10 percent of the talking and the other guy should be talking. And another person they grew up with in Bensonhurst was Sandy Koufax. And he told me a story about how Koufax used to uh, broadcast Dodgers games. And after a game, he was interviewing a pitcher. And he really, really explained to the pitcher what the pitcher was doing. And the pitcher never even got a chance to talk. And Koufax realized that's the moment he should retire, when he knew too much and he couldn't listen. So I always think a lesson of that is listen, and people will tell you more than you realize you're hearing, if you sort of parse it. And um, he always, another big thing my father was always into was language. You know, people want to hear a certain language, especially when you're negotiating for somebody. And he used to tell a really funny story where a guy was he was representing a guy in a negotiation. And the guy said, well, what's her game plan? And he said, I don't know. We'll get there and find out. He said, well, what are we going to do in the first half? And he said, well, I don't know. Uh, let's just get there. He said, 
well, how are we going to get those important first downs? And then my father sort of said, he understood what this guy needed. And he said, what we're going to do is we're going to send a flanker out, run him down to the end zone, fake a handoff and throw the post pattern for the win. And the guy said, great plan. And my father had no, absolutely no idea what he had said or what he was talking about. <laughs> That's about being able to speak in the language of other people to calm them down. You know, your dad also spoke about uh, not letting the other side know your deadline. Yeah. But what can you suggest if you've been talking with somebody for three months or something and you, again, as a business owner or an employee, want to push this thing to a close, yes or no? Well, because basically people give a lot of deadlines and most of the deadlines are artificial, I think is what he meant. So, and he always said that 99% of deals get settled within five minutes of the deadline, either way, before or after. So an example of what he would say is figure out what the real deadline is. And to do that, you have to figure out the other side's needs. And with the Iran hostage crisis, he looked at the Iranians and all these deadlines had been set. And he said for the Iranians, ultimately, the deadline became the inauguration of Ronald Reagan because they were afraid of Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan had said, had called them names and said he was going to blow them up maybe. And they were dealing with Jimmy Carter, who was very willing to make a deal. So my father, his big breakthrough as a negotiator in that was realizing the Iranians deadline was not what they said, not what Carter thought. It was the inauguration of Ronald Reagan and everything would get done up against that deadline. And in fact, he went on TV when I was a kid using that deadline and he predicted when the hostages be, would be released. And he was right within three minutes. I think they were released it's like seven minutes after the inauguration. And he said they would be released four minutes after the inauguration. And I was a reporter in Washington at the time. It was right yeah. around noontime when Reagan was sworn in and the bullets yeah. broke. The hostages yeah. are on a plane to Germany. I'll tell you, you know, th these have been so interesting to hear because what we're getting here is the street smarts of Brooklyn. Yeah. From your, you and your dad and Larry King. And it's just so refreshing to hear this, uh, Rich. What final advice would you give to people to negotiate, to, just, to, just to tie this up, even if it's repeating what you've right. said? Well, I think my dad's book came out in 1980. It was called You Can Negotiate Anything, and it was a huge hit. And it sort of helped create the genre of these business books that just read like they were almost philosophy, like a philosophy book. And his big thing was, he's a guy from Brooklyn. He writes and sounds like a guy from Brooklyn. He's very funny. But it was that people, at, when I was a kid, they were intimidated by the idea of negotiating. It was a scary thing. And people took these classes about how to negotiate. And his thing was, you don't have to learn to negotiate. You already are negotiating every day. You just don't know it. And if you could just realize what you're doing, you could become good at it and actually have fun at it. And we mentioned the Iran hostage crisis. And to me, like the rules are the same in every different situation. So he always said the time he learned to negotiate was when he was a kid in Bensonhurst. Another kid took somebody's dog hostage, a girl's dog hostage, and said, I will not release this dog unless this girl agrees to go to a dance with me. <laughs> Very scary thing, but not that scary at the time. Now it would be more scary. And my father stepped in and negotiated the release of the dog. And it was just like the Iran hostage crisis. 
He had to identify what the real deadline was because the kid said, I want an answer by two and I want an answer by three. My father said, what's this kid's real deadline? Six, because six o'clock is when he had to be home for dinner and his mom would get mad at him and then real authority would come in. So it was the same thing. Identify the real deadline and work from there and realize you're doing it every day as a kid with your parents. You just have to know what you're doing to take control of it. This has been this has been so great. Your dad's book is still for sale, probably on Amazon, and yours is too, right? Yes. Wow. A nice Christmas uh, stocking stuffer, both of them together. <laughs> great to talk to you, Rich. Thanks so much. Thank you. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend four point four hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.